Hello and welcome to Core Women. My name is Dr. Summer Watson and I'm the founder of Core Women and I'm also an empowerment strategist for women. So if you're listening to this podcast to delve more into empowerment strategies, well, you're here for the right reason. However, Core Women was also developed because it's a special place that provides a unique idea of home for the hearts and souls of women. It's a place for us to share our strength, energy, wisdom, and authenticity. It's a place for women to find support and strategic empowerment ideas that will help support their lives. Today on the show, I would like to welcome Adia Moore, soon to be University of California Davis graduate with a bachelor's degree in animal science with a genetic emphasis. Let's get right into the interview and welcome, Avia. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for being on the Core Women show today with me. There's so much to talk about. So let's get started. Okay, great. Awesome. So first of all, you go to University of California, Davis, and that's up near where? Uh, That's over near Sacramento. Okay. And what kind of program do they have? Like, uh, is there emphasis animal science? Is there emphasis? What what programs do they have over there that they really emphasize in? So one of the things they're most famous for is actually their veterinary program. And a lot of the ways that people choose to get into that is by getting their bachelor's degree in animal science at UC Davis. So I was... Yeah, I was hell-bent on getting into veterinary school, and so I decided to go that route. Uh, I ended up not wanting to do veterinary, but what ended up happening is I got to work with a bunch of professors that teach the veterinary programs and um, learn my current bachelor's program, which is animal science with genetics, but with those professors. Gotcha. Okay. And and that was my next question. So good lead in. How did you begin to pursue a degree in animal science with a genetic emphasis? Yeah. So uh, animal science is sort of the, uh, I would say, go-to degree if you're interested in veterinary science. Uh, and the way that the emphasis works and how I ended up getting into genetics is that you do your uh, emphasis classes towards the end of your degree. So I had about 20 units. That's a, you know, a couple quarters to sort of, um, you know, expand a bit on animal science. And by the time I had gotten to the end of my degree, I actually decided that I wanted to go an entirely different route with my future, one that didn't involve going to veterinary school. So the genetics emphasis allowed me to take the classes that I needed in order to get into the directions I wanted to go. Awesome. Okay. So let's talk more about the emphasis then, because you had to do animal science to also do the emphasis. However, talk about the genetic component and what that looks like, what that entails. Yeah. So when I took the genetics emphasis, it actually ended up being a mix of a couple different things. So one of them is biotech. Biotech is the industry I'm most interested in getting into, specifically like gene editing and you know, uh, exploring mutations and whatnot. So being able to take a genetics emphasis actually meant that I could get the skills needed to do what I need to do in the workforce. So it was sort of a little bit of a shortcut into getting the experience I need for my future. Gotcha. Okay. So what does that look like? What kind of jobs would you be looking for then? Are they laboratory jobs? Oh, (laughs) gosh. 
Yeah, so it's just, I say, oh gosh, it's just such a wide field. Uh, so there's a couple different things. There's companies that are designing drugs for cancer patients to see, oh, hey, if we treat this mouse that has a tumor with this, what is the reaction? So there's, you know, of course, studying that and how that works. And then I'd mentioned mutations um, that also falls in line with cancer research. Right. And then also uh, gene editing, which is like, going into someone's genome and saying, oh, this gene has a mutation, and as a result, it encodes for XYZ genetic disorder. What if we could cut that out? You know, what if we could say, your children no long, sorry, your children will no longer have that in their genome. Like, if you had children, they wouldn't yeah. get it. So, you yeah. know, that's, it's yeah. a really great way to, yeah, it's a really great way to ensure that if you have these genetic disorders that they don't get passed on. Additionally, there's also screening. So, you know, you could go in and look at um, your DNA to see, hey, is this heritable? And um, right. sometimes it is. <laughs> right. And sometimes it isn't. Um, that's actually sort of what sparked a lot of my interest is that I actually had multiple family members with cancer and they're like, okay, but is this hereditary? And the answer was no, thankfully. Um, and, you know, Sometimes that's not the case. So I, you know, want to provide that information to other people and help them have an unknown solved. Right. Wow. That is so very interesting. That is really intriguing. And I could have, I have so many questions about that, but I really want to stick to script because honestly, I, I could ask you, you know, for instance, breast cancer. and really no one had breast cancer on my maternal side, but on my paternal side, they did. And, you know, sometimes they say there is a link and there's a higher, higher percentage if you have a, a mother or a sister, but then sometimes you get breast cancer, even when you don't have that genetic link, so to speak. So mm -hmm. would those be some of the things you also kind of look at? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So there are some people that have that predisposition, um, or like in the case of my mother, she didn't and got it at a very young age. So it was, of course, something that they wanted to look into because it made no sense. Um, and that's sort of where you end up getting the biggest strides with information is, hey, this doesn't make sense. Why is this happening? Also, where does it stop? You know, is it environmental factors or whatnot? And that right. information can lead to cures. Right. So. Totally. And, and you understand why. And it's so funny how it's linked to the direct service provider all the way back to the geneticist in relation to doing the assessment and passing that on to the researchers and the scientists, you know, all that data and that information, because then you can start saying, oh, okay, we need to test for this, or we need to test for this gene marker or whatnot. So very interesting stuff. So my question to you, since this seems like a very heavy and weighted degree, does it require an internship? Uh, no, actually it doesn't, um, which is, you know, I, I've, I've sort of done uh, a bit of that already, but um, in animal science, but yeah, the, the degree itself doesn't, it is definitely helpful right. at helping you understand what's going on, but UC Davis is so hands-on. It gotcha. is just so, so hands-on. You get to do all sorts of fun stuff in genetics, like study. Uh, it doesn't, I mean, it may not sound fun to you, but I'm studying flies, like fruit flies. Right. I found it personally fascinating because what we did is we took 
one strain of flies mated it with others, mated it with others. And what we could do is see how a, a genetic insertion traveled through generations. Wow. So it like let us actually manipulate the, uh, the progeny of the children of these flies. And fruit flies are just absolutely precious resources to the science community. So we have, we can thank them a whole lot for what they've allowed us to learn about the human genome. Wow, that is so fascinating. Really, fruit flies. You never think. Yeah, yeah. Fruit, fruit flies. flies. And um, another one is uh, commonly known as the nematode, little tiny worms. Yeah, actually, these worms are fascinating. It allows you to see all stages of um, meiosis. So that, uh -huh. you know, um, cell division for sex cells. Mm -hmm. So you can see how the chromosomes are being separated. Right. So that allows us to understand better about, you know, um, any sort of chromosome anomalies in humans, especially related to um, sex chromosomes. Very cool. Wow. I mean, yeah. I just love this conversation because... It is so fascinating. There's so much to learn and so much to know. And what an, what an unbelievable direction to be going in. I'm so excited for you. So when you're finished and you've graduated, what, you know, you've kind of told us what direction you want to go in. Are you looking to stay in a particular area? Is there an area in the nation that is really focused like a particular state or city because it's inundated with like labs is there some direction that you want to go or some some particular region well the bay area is actually a phenomenal place to start um, i have a couple companies i've looked into that definitely seem to be doing stuff i'd like and again it's all over the place right like uh -huh. biotech is just huge um, i probably wouldn't be doing years, but i am most interested in doing like actual lab work getting in there and uh, yeah that can that can take a lot of different forms and for me personally i'm sort of here for a lot of it right <laughs> i'm really here for quite a lot of it of course um ethics is something i look into a lot yes. you know i want to make sure that the contributions i do make to the science world are going to making the world a better place so yeah, I'm sort of just ready to dig in. And the idea is that I'll start somewhere and hopefully find the thing that I am the most passionate about. Uh, the the joke I like to make is uh, regarding a TA of mine who, you know, we're, we're all thinking about going to grad school and they're like, oh yeah, well, my current research product, or sorry, my current research project is studying the gut bacteria of stick bugs and you're like okay I no longer feel confident that I know exactly what I need to be studying in grad school <laughs> oh, oh, you know because that's just so specific <laughs> well you know and that's what you do when you you know you go on with your with your studies and you get like a master's or a PhD and you're you're doing a research study, you, you really have to get that specific. However, it doesn't mean that in your bachelor's degree, you don't know, or you, you know, you don't have knowledge. And, and that's why I asked, have you done an internship or do they require an internship? Because many times that will really provide the foundation and provide, you know, some stability for the student in relation to feeling more grounded in what they've learned. And that's why, you know, people talk about 
you know, I've gotten out there or I got out there right after my degree and I felt imposter syndrome. Like I wasn't able to do this or I didn't feel like, you know, and I'm like, no, 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 you can't. And that's why a lot of times I work with interns because I want them to have that real world experience to get out there and then they've got applicable skills. So just know that you absolutely have it. And I know you're going to find something fantastic in biotech. And when you're talking about the Bay Area, you're talking about the San Francisco Bay Area. Is that correct? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, correct. <laughs> right. So, okay. So. Next question, because there's got to be some balance, you know, in life. What do you do as a hobby? Oh, wow. Um, I have a lot of things I do for fun that I also make money with. Um, so oh. I'm not sure if I would call them hobbies because <laughs> I sort of took all of my hobbies and was like, wow, how can I make money? Um, so the, I think the next closest thing would probably be frequenting, um, parties that are more like art focused okay you know um like community events there's uh you know all sorts of things going on over here in the bay area where it's your local artist maybe there's something called an art battle that's a great example there's oh, people yeah. my friends do it you know just drawing and uh you have like a set amount of time it's fun and silly creative those oh, that's sort of cool. things really really do it for me Oh, I love that. I love that. And, and you have to have a creative outlet. I mean, you, you talk about some things that are really heavy. And as you <laughs> said, you look into and consider the ethical issues related to what you're studying and what you're going to be doing in community and as a career. And so those are pretty heavy things to think about when you're talking about, you know, genetic issues related to disease and and human functioning or even animal functioning. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. It's important to take breaks. I, Oh, I just thought of another one. Um, there is uh, the museum of modern art in San Francisco, for example, hosts uh, after hour shows. So it's fun because you get to look at art and meet other people interested in art and it's really a community building. And I think that while you're doing this sort of degree program, especially, being able to have a social outlet that does more than tie you to work or to, you know, your education is really important. It is good to have people that you know, of course, that are also interested in what you're doing with your education and, you know, have friends that you can study with and business connections. But I found a lot of importance in finding communities and activities outside of that. That's awesome. And I love that you have that type of balance and you really are, you know, reaching out and doing other things that bring you happiness and bring creativity into your life. Now I have um, an interesting question to ask and I should have asked it before this question, but because you do use animals to study genetics, such as mice, such as other animals, have you ever confronted any community organization that has really pushed back on that and said, you know, this is this is not what we like, don't test on animals, that kind of thing. And how have you dealt with that, if you have? Um, honestly, I haven't. Uh, I think that there is a pretty big difference between using animal testing to advance science and then also for things like cosmetics, for example, right. uh, at least for me personally. So, you know, also, especially when we're using things like fruit flies and right. being able to say, hey, would you like a cure for X, Y, or Z? 
or would you like to have these fruit flies live? Um, that there's not really, uh, (laughs) there's not really a whole lot of pushback considering, you know, many of the people I think that might have problems with that. I'm sure on a daily basis, step on ants and, you know, with things like fruit flies, that's what we're looking at. Now, when you start going into the larger animals, yes, entirely, there's entirely pushback. Uh, and especially at Davis, you know, you're working alongside agriculture and working in things like a dairy. And I did work in a dairy and it's hard for so many people to look at something like that and be like, that's totally fine. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 So there is definitely some pushback there. Uh, The thing about Davis is that they do try their hardest to make the animals as happy as possible in their other education programs. And they also, what I think is really cool is they have an on-campus slaughterhouse that teaches us uh, about anatomy. So we get to see animals like freshly killed, which actually is very helpful at understanding how body systems work. And then all of the meat and waste from that actually gets sold for food. So it's pretty um, sustainable. You know, it's like, I know that the thing that I would dissect in another school would just get thrown away. (laughs) And in this case, it's like, oh no, that that sheep I knew since it was X many days old and I fed and now it's teaching me about salivary glands and will be sold in the morning. (laughs) Right, right, yes. So there's, yeah, there's a lot more sustainability. And as far as uh, other companies go, uh, I think that I would probably not find myself at a place that um, I couldn't handle ethically. Uh, I don't really see see that happening. And, you know, that this gets down into animal welfare practices, which because of my degree, I am educated on. We do have systems in place that will control for animal welfare, but I personally don't think they're high enough. <laughs> right. Well, and I'm glad we talked about this because it is something that, you know, does come up, especially when you're doing testing, because there is, there is an essential component to being able to test on something, you know, to find out what mm-hmm. those, what the issues are, what the genetics are, what the, you know, da, 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 da. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. You know. uh, there's been some controversy, uh, at least I have heard, but it's most, at least on campus, but it mostly pertains to primate research, which, you know, does help us a lot with behavioral stuff. But of course, you know, that's testing on animals that have expressed a lot of intelligence. And so I think that's where things start to get sticky for some people. Right. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show, but I have one last question to ask you. So if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom today, what would they be? Oh, gosh. Well, there's definitely a lot. Um, (laughs) I think one of my favorite things would probably be this concept to understand how other people see you. And I don't mean that necessarily like, oh, they think I am nice. But we tend to sort of build a tiny version of another person in our own head that can grow whether we're around them or not. And so trying to understand how other people have sculpted you, what sort of person they've like mapped you out to be, understanding who that person is and that it doesn't have to be you and that it might not be you, I think is really valuable. And my reason for saying that is because throughout this degree, I've had a lot of people try to decide what type of person I was for myself. And uh, it definitely didn't work out. (laughs) 
out who you are. It may take you a while. It will probably grow and develop. Just make sure that you're not trying to take a shortcut and be who other people think you need to be. Oh my gosh. I love that. Those are some fabulous words of wisdom and thank you for that. And thank you, ABF, for joining me on the Core One podcast today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. If you would like to know more about Avia Moore, please follow her on LinkedIn. If you need a strategic empowerment coach, contact me. If you want to tell your story of empowerment or how you have reconstructed your life to drive change, send me a video or an email of your story providing permission to use it on my social media platforms. If you want to be featured on my podcast, reach out to me at info at corewomen.com. I want to hear from you and to get to know you. You are now part of the Core Women Home. Let's get to know each other. Let's learn from one another. Please follow Core Women on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please let your women friends know about this podcast. If you write about Core Women in your social media posts, please hashtag Core Women. This is all about women. Thank you for taking the time to learn more about Core Women, and please stay tuned for continued growth of the Core Women movement. Let's grow and drive change together. 